Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Breaking news tonight, 160,000 dead in America. The U.S. breaks another record as California's coronavirus death toll reaches 10,000. Tonight, the country's largest school system says it will reopen. The daunting decision now facing parents. And from weddings and sorority parties to a motorcycle rally starting tonight with cases spiking, why are so many warnings being ignored? Alarming increase in infections. The new alert after two young children are killed by the virus. What's causing childhood cases of COVID to rise so rapidly? Passenger jet crash. An airliner skids off a runway before splitting in two. Tonight, more than a dozen are dead, but how did 100 more people survive? The new warning on election interference. America's top intelligence officials say foreign governments are already targeting campaign 2020. The candidates, they say, Russia and China are trying to get elected. Stimulus stalemate. Congress and the White House can't reach a deal to help unemployed Americans. Tonight, what the president now says he'll do on his own. Major League Arrest. New charges tonight in the death of Los Angeles Angels star pitcher Tyler Skaggs. Why police now say someone working for his team is responsible for killing him. And we end tonight on the road. Our Steve Hartman has the story of a little boy with a big heart for the pets no one else loved. Good evening and thank you for joining us. Nora is off. I'm Margaret Brennan. As we come on the air tonight, the U.S. has broken yet another unthinkable record. 
More than 160,000 people in the U.S. have now been killed by the coronavirus. And there's new concern tonight about the explosion of cases among some of the youngest Americans. The World Health Organization says cases among teenagers and young adults have skyrocketed. The American Academy of Pediatrics reports a 40 percent increase in infections in the final weeks of July. All of that comes as New York's governor decides to reopen the nation's biggest public school system. New York City, which was once the epicenter of the pandemic, now has an infection rate so low that students will be able to return to classrooms this fall. While more children may be returning to school, there are new indications their parents may not be returning to work as quickly. We learned today more than 1.8 million new jobs were added in July. But economists worry new jobs aren't coming back fast enough to replace all of those lost in the crisis. And with Congress and the White House at an impasse on providing another financial lifeline to out-of-work Americans... The president is vowing to use executive action to cut taxes and provide other benefits, something Democrats say he can't legally do. There's a lot of new reporting to get to tonight, and our team of correspondents is standing by to cover it all. CBS's Mola Lange leads us off tonight from New York City. Mola? Well, Margaret, as you mentioned, heated debates about reopening schools are happening really all over the country right now. And with New York City once being the epicenter of the pandemic, it seemed improbable that the city's 1.1 million students would be reporting back to school this fall. Today, the governor of New York gave the green light to open every school district in the state. You look at our infection rate, we are probably in the best situation in the country right now. In New York City, the country's largest school district, the choice is ultimately up to parents. And today is the deadline for them to decide whether their children will attend school entirely online or opt for a combination of in-person classes and remote learning. We're thinking about their emotional growth, their educational growth, but also thinking about their safety. In Georgia, administrators have reversed their decision to suspend a student for posting this picture of crowded school hallways. One Atlanta-area school district already has about 100 COVID cases. In California, the crowd on the dance floor at this Los Angeles wedding is an example of what health officials say is driving alarming numbers there. As of today, COVID-19 has killed more than 10,000 Californians. In South Dakota, where up to 250,000 bikers are expected for the 80th annual Sturgis Motorcycle Rally this weekend, city leaders are trying to protect the community's older population. They are... Uh, very afraid given their age and other issues that uh, if they would contract the virus, that um, it would not be an easy ride for them. Meanwhile, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine is relieved one day after having to cancel a meeting with President Trump due to a positive COVID-19 test result. Thursday night, the governor took two more tests. Uh, Both came back negative. You want to tell them how you feel? I, I feel good. And 97-year-old Rosalie Tyson from Salisbury, North Carolina, is feeling much better today. After more than three weeks in hospitals battling the coronavirus, she's now finally back home with her son. Older people, right, they figure that, hey, my time is up. They give up. But she never gave up. Mola Lange, CBS News, New York. This is Janet Shamlian. Cases of COVID in children are rising. More than 338,000 testing positive as of the end of July, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics. 97,000 of those cases reported the last two weeks of the month. 
a 40% jump. More than 25 children died in July. Six-year-old Gigi Morse among the victims this week. As a society, all of us, we need to own this. Dr. Tina Hardard at Vanderbilt University is overseeing a unique study of 2,000 families across a dozen cities to learn about a child's role in transmission. The kits are shipped to the families. They're uh, taught how to collect these samples, and then the samples are um, sent back by the families um, to a central uh, repository. Mendy McNulty's family is taking part from their home in Tennessee. So we're going to swab in one nostril. Her son's Andrew and Hudson getting swabbed every two weeks. Administering the nose swabs and the taking the blood and that kind of thing is definitely a new experience. With her kids going back to classrooms soon, she's anxious. I am nervous about sending them into a building with hundreds of other people when we have been isolated for so many months here in our home. Tonight, parents everywhere are wondering when children might be able to get a vaccine. The initial trials being done here are using adults, and only after those are complete will children be considered for vaccination. Margaret? Janet Shamlin in Houston. Now to that deadly plane crash today in southern India. Looking at the wreckage of the Boeing jet, it's hard to believe anyone survived. But remarkably, most of the 190 people on board escaped alive. At least 17 are dead. CBS's Chris Van Cleve now on what happened. The Air India Express Boeing 737 was attempting to land in heavy rain when it went off the runway down a 35-foot embankment and broke in two, says India's civil aviation minister. Rescuers worked to free trapped survivors on live TV. Flight 1344 from Dubai was bringing people home to southern India for the first time in months because of coronavirus-related restrictions abroad. Investigators say 190 were aboard, including 34 children, 13 of them infants. The captain, a former test pilot in the Indian Air Force, and his co-pilot are among the dead. More than 100 are hurt. Former NTSB board member John Golia. What did what the pilot, what did he know from air traffic control? He's the ultimate decision maker. Did he make a bad decision or was he given bad information that led him to make a bad decision? The airport where they attempted to land resembles a tabletop. The runway is elevated above the surrounding landscape. Chris Van Cleve, CBS News, Washington. Now to the economy and the fight over helping out-of-work Americans. We learned today 1.8 million jobs were added to the economy in July, but with millions more Americans out of work, Congress still hasn't reached a deal on a new stimulus package. And with negotiations at a stalemate tonight, the president says he will go it on his own. Here's Nancy Cordes. Stimulus talks ground to a halt today. I've told them, come back when you when you are ready to give us a higher number. At this point, we're going to recommend to the president that over the weekend we move forward with some executive actions. Those executive actions might delay evictions, payroll taxes, and student loan payments. But there's a lot the White House can't do on its own. It doesn't cover opening of schools. It doesn't cover testing. It's also unclear what the White House can do to restore federal unemployment benefits that lapsed for millions of Americans last week. Stagehand and single mother Lindsay Caterberg is one of them. Could you go back to your job if you wanted to? No. We are hopeful that spring 2021 will be a time for us to return to work. And that's nine months away. Yes. She applied for food stamps in Michigan for the first time today. I kind of burned through 
a lot of what I had set aside savings-wise while I was waiting for unemployment to kick in. Americans desperate for quick relief are instead being treated to reruns of Washington wrangling. What they want is a two and a half trillion dollar blank check. I offer to them, we'll take down a trillion if you add a trillion in. They said absolutely not. The president is planning to take executive action as early as tonight. And while both sides say it will help a little, it's no one's first choice. It's not as efficient as legislation. And the president can't allocate billions of new dollars the way Congress can. Margaret. Thank you, Nancy. Tonight, a stark and specific warning from the U.S. intelligence community that foreign powers are interfering in the 2020 election and they're picking favorites. Here's CBS's Paula Reed. Tonight, the intelligence community publicly revealing who China and Russia favor to win in November, with top officials writing, China prefers that President Trump, whom Beijing sees as unpredictable, does not win re-election. He never did anything against China, Joe Biden. And that's why they desperately want him to win. Biden has been critical of China on a range of issues, but the president has bashed the Chinese relentlessly over the coronavirus. The plague was released by China. And recently punished Chinese companies and top officials. Russia is repeating their 2016 playbook, according to the intelligence officials, this time trying to denigrate former Vice President Biden and what it sees as an anti-Russia establishment. The, the Russians don't want me to be the nominee. <clears throat> they spent a lot of money on bots on Facebook and they've been taken down saying Biden's a bad guy. Russia preferred President Trump in 2016, according to intelligence assessments. And this year, Kremlin-linked actors are actively supporting his candidacy on social media and Russian television. This assessment also found that Iran would like President Trump to lose. In a statement, the Trump campaign said they found all of this concerning, but said they don't need or want foreign interference. But the Biden campaign noted that President Trump has previously called on foreign adversaries to help him get elected. Margaret. Paula Reed traveling with the president. Tonight, the former vice president is also trying to clean up some controversial comments he made Thursday about African-Americans. Here's CBS's Ed O'Keefe. Joe Biden stayed close to his Delaware home today as his team remains tight-lipped about who he might choose as a running mate. A formal announcement is expected next week. Meanwhile, President Trump, who trails Biden in polls, is lashing out at his rival. Today, it was comments the former vice president made about African-Americans. Biden had to clarify comments made in an interview about immigration. Unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community with incredibly different attitudes about different things. You go to Florida, you find a very different attitude about immigration in certain places than you do when you're in Arizona. It was a very insulting statement he made. Late Thursday, Biden tweeted, in no way did I mean to suggest the African-American community is a monolith. Not by identity, not on issues, not at all. Of course, Mr. Trump has his own long history of racially insensitive remarks about minorities and immigrants. And on Thursday, he also took on Biden's faith. He's following the radical left agenda. Take away your guns. Destroy your Second Amendment. No religion, no anything. Hurt the Bible, hurt God. He's against God. Biden, a Catholic, called Mr. Trump's comments shameful and beneath the office he holds. 
Also tonight, Democrats say that their four-day all-virtual convention will include speeches by party leaders and everyday Americans affected by the pandemic and the economic downturn. As the party puts it, viewers can expect fewer people behind podiums and more people in living rooms. Margaret? Where most of us are these days. Ed, thank you. Tonight, the Los Angeles Angels' former communications director is facing federal charges in the overdose death of pitcher Tyler Skaggs. Eric Prescott Kay is accused of giving Skaggs a deadly dose of fentanyl. Skaggs was found dead in his hotel room in Dallas last summer. We learned today Brent Scowcroft, an influential voice in U.S. foreign policy, has died. Scowcroft rose to lieutenant general in the Air Force and went on to serve as national security advisor to Presidents Gerald Ford and George H.W. Bush. He helped guide policy through the end of the Cold War and the first Gulf War. Brent Scowcroft was 95. Breaking tonight, Jerry Falwell Jr. is taking a leave of absence as president and chancellor of Liberty University at the request of that university's board. This comes days after the evangelical leader posted and then deleted a photo showing him with his pants unzipped and his arm around a young woman. Falwell has apologized for the photo. Tonight, Oprah Winfrey is seeking justice for Breonna Taylor. Winfrey has a photo of the young EMT who had been killed by Louisville police on the cover of the September issue of O Magazine. And her magazine is setting up 26 billboards around Louisville, one for each year of Taylor's life, demanding charges against the officers involved in the killing. Britain's Prince Harry is calling for sweeping change in social media, asking industry leaders to protect young children from hate and racism online. In a new essay, the prince says he and his wife, Meghan Markle, are worried about the long-term effects of social media on their one-year-old son and on all children. The couple is promoting a campaign to stop online hate speech. The dogs at the shelter have no better friend than a young boy in Florida, and he's quickly becoming an inspiration to others. Tonight, CBS's Steve Hartman catches up with him on the road. Nine-year-old Robbie Gay loves an underdog. Bring him to the Flagler County Humane Society in Palm Coast, Florida, as we did back in February, and ask him to find a favorite. He will seek out the oldest, mangiest, least adoptable mutt of the lot. There's something about old dogs but I just like. Do you see yourself in these dogs? Yes, sir. He's the most optimistic and genuinely caring kid who has absolutely no reason to be that way. Robbie's adoptive mom, Maria, says before he entered the foster system, Robbie was a holy terror. So badly abused, he was twice hospitalized with brain injuries. Then, two years ago, Maria and her husband Charles adopted him. What did that day mean to you? Everything. He has come a long way, except in this one respect. Maria says he could not cry. Despite the horrors of his past, or maybe because of them, the kid was a stone. Until one of Robbie's old dogs had to be put down. He wanted to hold her till the end and insisted his mom take pictures, perhaps because he knew what was about to happen. After Robbie finally let go, he told his mom, I know how it feels not to be loved or cared for, and I don't want any animal of mine to feel that way. Nor does he want any foster kid to feel that way. Because people don't want older people and older dogs. They only want babies and puppies. 
he is so aware that it could have gone totally differently for him. And in these older dogs, Robbie's found a place to practice compassion. Someday, Robbie wants to adopt older foster children himself. And go up and knock on the door. But until then, to show his commitment and do what he can, he has vowed to adopt as many old dogs as his parents will allow. Do you love her? And do everything in his power to encourage others to do the same. After we first told this story, Robbie started volunteering at the Humane Society, where he has become a powerful advocate for older dogs. He has inspired dozens of adoptions, all to loving families, all forever homes, and all because a sweet little boy saw his reflection in the eyes of the suffering. Steve Hartman, on the road, near Palm Coast, Florida. And he's saving lives. Sunday on Face the Nation, my guests will include National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien. And if you can't watch the CBS Evening News live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. And that's tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Margaret Brennan. I will see you Sunday on Face the Nation. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most-watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.